Welcome to Functional Theology, where pastor and author Chad Ashby talks about theology, scripture, and culture in a world where two and two always seems to make a five. You can find Chad's work at Christianity Today, Desiring God, The Gospel Coalition, and Think Christian. You can follow his personal blog at Aftermath, www.chadashby.com. If you'd like updates about Chad's work, you can follow his author page on Facebook, or you can follow him on Twitter at Chad underscore Ashby. Hey guys, thanks for joining me today. I want to talk about something that I do every week. And I get a lot of questions about this, whether I'm sitting at the Thanksgiving table next to a distant relative or I'm talking with somebody I meet in the community. I think maybe some of my members are a little bit scared to ask because, uh, I don't know, I think there's just a bit of mystique that shrouds a pastor's study. And, you know, people want to know what exactly is taking place in there. How does he emerge with a sermon to preach every Sunday? You know, um, so I want to invite you into my study. I want to talk to you about how I write a sermon and uh, particularly about preparing a sermon from the original languages. I recently had somebody ask me uh, this question, another pastor, and I, ju I just thought, you know, it might be good to swing the door wide open. There's not really anything to hide. Um, I actually spend most of my time in my study for a sermon in the original Greek and Hebrew languages, and that's... Um, not something to brag about, it's just some, the training that I've had and kind of personal convictions about the uh, opportunities God's given me. But if, if you're a, a pastor or maybe you're in seminary or maybe just a Joe Church member, preparing sermons from the original Greek and Hebrew may seem really daunting. And, or it may just seem like overkill. So the, the foundational question even to ask before we talk about how to write a sermon is why even study the Bible in Greek and Hebrew. And my reasons are pretty simple. First, I want to get my people uh, as close to the original text as possible. If I'm studying and if I'm studying in an English translation, then I'm once removed from the original text. Then when I preach, my people receive it now from me sort of twice removed from the original. It's almost like second or third hand. But when I when I study the original Greek and Hebrew, then that puts my people one less uh, time removed from the original text. Does that make sense? Uh, maybe I'm muddying the waters. But secondly, as a pastor, I kind of see myself as a the resident expert. And I don't say this to be prideful, but, you know, let's be honest. If I don't know Greek and Hebrew, chances are that no one else in the church will. Um, after all, that's, you know, that's why you guys pay us the big bucks, right? Um, we should be able to answer those questions. We should know about the Bible and its original languages. So, thirdly, American pastors are extremely privileged compared to pastors of almost any other country or era of time. Most of us have been to seminary. We've had the opportunity and resources to take Greek and Hebrew with great professors and books and textbooks. My hope is that we will try our best to show our gratitude to the Lord for his astounding grace by putting our education to use. And so, gosh, one of my pet peeves 
is when I hear seminarians talking about just trying to get through Hebrew. Oh my goodness. No, no, you need to capture that and, and treasure the opportunity, the amazing grace that you get to learn these languages. So what does it look like to prepare sermons from the original Greek and Hebrew? Well, it requires dedication and discipline. It's not going to be simple. What you're going to hear following hereafter is not easy. Depending on your skill level, a preacher could possibly spend the first full day of sermon prep translating the text. And that might be your weekly routine for the first couple years. If that's not suitable to your schedule, or if it's uh, quickly going to seem like a waste of time, I would advise you to avoid the frustration altogether. Sermon prep from the original languages is not required to be a faithful preacher. We have many accurate English translations. Okay, so that is not why I'm doing this. And, and the Holy Spirit moves mightily through preachers who labor weekly to study and exegete and apply the biblical text in their native tongue. So if you're preaching from the English, this is not about making you feel bad. Um, but I'm just, for those who are interested, so my process begins at the photocopier. So this is my podcast. You're going to, you're going to see how I do things. This may not be how everyone does things. At the beginning of each book that I'm going to preach through, I take either my Greek New Testament or my Hebrew Old Testament to the copier and make single-sided copies of every page in the book. And uh, I usually blow up the size to like 130% so that I have wider margins, you know, so I can scribble notes and stuff in between. On Mondays, I work through the selected passage, putting my translation into a Word document. I do not have any electronic lexical tools like Logos or Accordance. While helpful, I think those can quickly become a crutch for novices in the languages, which is why I use my two trusty bad boys. I've got BDAG and BDB. So uh, my Brown Driver Briggs for Hebrew and uh, my Walter Bauer uh, lexicon in Greek. I do actually have eSword, um, which has been really helpful, you know, copying and pasting stuff. It's a really cheap resource. It might be free for um, computers, and it's like 10 bucks for a Mac. Uh, it's really helpful. Uh, it might sound counterintuitive, but the goal of translating the passage is to not need the translation when you're finished. After I've done the hard work of translating the passage, I save the document and set the translation aside and work only from my photocopied page of the Greek or Hebrew text. Step two, then the scribbling commences. This is where the photocopying is so essential. I go to town on the text, scribbling, underlining, boxing in arrows, comments in the margins, writing on the back. I take that stapled packet into the gym with me. I go to take it to waiting rooms. I throw it in my backpack and take it to the coffee shop and in the car. It follows me everywhere throughout the week. When I'm in my office, I open a second Word document that I usually give the title Notes. So whatever the passage is this week, this past week, I was preaching 1 Samuel 17, 1 through 30. So it would be 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, 1 through 30, notes. And in there, I type any and every thought that the passage brings to mind. Questions, other passages it reminds me of, any research or things that I've, uh, I've copied off the internet or from a commentary. I copy and paste huge chunks of other scripture passages that seem connected or related in some way. Um, often, 
That document is really helpful when I'm putting together the scripture readings for the Sunday worship service. Um, so that is a really helpful document. And all this note-taking, I use the Greek or Hebrew text as my base. Sometimes I forget what a word meant, and I can refer back to my translation to remind me. However, my understanding of the text always improves throughout the week. If, I bet if I were to write a second translation of the text at the end of the week, it would probably be a vast improvement on the one I made at the start of the week. Throughout the whole process, I'm praying, I'm meditating, allowing myself to chase any and every rabbit trail the Spirit might lead me down. Nothing is off limits. So then step three, forming an outline. Sometime in the week, the structure of the passage begins to form in my mind. I can see the connecting words in the text or... I recognize shifts in the narrative. Um, if I'm reading in the Hebrew, a lot of times there are markers in the text that'll help me break it down. Um, or maybe I begin to get a feel for the way the author is structuring his argument. Sometimes this is obvious quickly. Other times I have to work really hard at it. I make a third document titled Outline and begin to hang notes, illustrations, and important turns of phrase, either from my scribblings or the notes document, on the pegs of the outline. I try my best to use the language of the passage in my points. I believe that, you know, I think that a preacher has done a good job expositing the text if a month later a member would be able to generally replicate his sermon points with no help other than the text itself. The outline phase might be the first time that I begin to interact with the English translation I'll be preaching for, uh, from on Sunday. If I've done well on my own, the translations should be pretty close. I hardly ever have a major discrepancy. Whenever there are, I have the wherewithal to recognize that even after 12 plus years of experience in the original languages, I should almost always defer to the experts. Almost. 99.999% of the time. All right, phase four, writing the sermon. When it comes time to sit down and actually craft the sermon, um, I fully transli transition to the English translation. I use ESV. Um, there are other good translations out there. That's just the one that we use. While the original languages have shaped my study, my prayers, my application, my notes, and the structure of my outline, when it comes time to write the sermon... To manuscript it, I need to work from the translation that people are going to have in their hands on Sunday morning. After all this time in the orig original languages, you might be surprised to know that I can't think of a single time I pronounced a Greek or Hebrew word from the pulpit. I almost never say this word could also be translated. You see, the congregation needs to experience the word of God in that preaching moment and not feel like I'm recounting some spiritual experience I had earlier in the week that they missed out on when I was reading from the Greek or the Hebrew. Uh, you know, this whole process might sound a bit herky-jerky, but after almost six years, it's become a pretty organic process for me. I write my sermons out in full manuscript, and uh, I begin writing by copying and pasting the entire English text into the manuscript document again, this is a testament to the faithfulness of the English translations we have because I usually never have to make any comments about the original languages in order to make my points. They've all been well communicated by the faithful translators 
and are there waiting for me to point to during my exposition in the English text on Sunday morning. So as we close, what are a few drawbacks? Well, let's start with the hard part. There are only so many hours of study in a week. When you choose to devote much of that time to translating the text from Greek and Hebrew, it will mean less time for study and commentaries, listening to other pastors preach the text, and outside research. In my opinion, 95% of most commentaries is stuff I can find myself through studying the original languages. The other 5% will always be there to help you if things get too tough. It may be a steep learning curve if you only have two, like two semesters of Greek and Hebrew, especially if you didn't do much translating beyond narrative passages. Although, something like 75% of the Bible is narrative, so you've got that going for you. If you've not touched Greek or Hebrew in several years, I would never say never, but, uh, well, know your limits. The good news is, if you make sure to alternate between Old Testament and New Testament preaching uh, sermon series, your weekly translating should be enough to help you maintain your skills in Greek and Hebrew. There's always room for improvement. If you can find time for vocab review or to thumb through a grammar and syntax textbook every once in a while. Well, what are some benefits? I derive a great amount of satisfaction and edification from doing my own study in Hebrew and Greek. And that's just me. Um, Dr. Don Whitney uh, from Southern Seminary, actually expressed my sentiments perfectly in his book, Spiritual Disciplines. He says, don't settle only for spiritual food that's been pre-digested by others. Experience the joy of discovering biblical insights firsthand through your own Bible study. At the rate I'm going, and if the Lord tarries, and if the Spirit protects and sustains me in my ministry, I've figured out the math that I should finish expositing the Bible in the next 30 years. When I do, I also have my own personal translation of the scriptures, and that's pretty cool. That could be you too. Finally, I think one of the greatest benefits of preparing sermons from the original languages is the boldness it gives you when you enter the pulpit. There are no lingering doubts that I'm putting too much emphasis on something that seems important in the English translation, but is actually maybe not even there in the Greek or Hebrew. Because I've been there in the text myself, it gives me a great freedom to press hard into my own heart and into the lives of my hearers. With humility, I'm able to preach Christ week by week in spirit-inspired confidence drawn from the spirit-inspired text. Thanks for joining us. This has been Functional Theology with Chad Ashby. If you'd like to follow Chad, you can find his author page on Facebook. You can also follow him on Twitter at Chad underscore Ashby. And make sure to drop by his personal blog, Aftermath, www.chadashby.com. <laughs>